This is The Scoop on Life. We appreciate you joining us. I'm Chase. That's Lauren Robinson. We are excited uh, for another edition of The Scoop on Life, and we are very excited about our guest today. We have got John Enzor. He is the president of Passion Life, and that is a global missions initiative to spread the gospel of life and expand uh, the pregnancy movement. He is a pastor who has served in the pregnancy help movement for more than 20 years. He's a writer, speaker, leader, trainer. He has uh, authored multiple books, and we are uh, very excited to have John Enzor joining us here on The Scoop on Life. Welcome in. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, John, we're just going to jump right in. Um, as Chase mentioned, we know that you have authored several books. Um, I've had um, the privilege to read a couple of those, and um, I know last year you wrote a book called Pregnancy Crisis Intervention, and um, toward the end of our podcast, we're going to mention a few of those books, but um, in your book, Innocent Blood, um, you talked about Christians needing to be involved, needing to be educated, um, not pretending like we don't know what's going on regarding abortion and what, what that actually means and what's actually happening. And, and then you made this statement. Um, you said, Satan sees the connection between rescuing the innocent and bringing good news to the guilty. Most Christians do not. And so I was just going to ask, could you talk about that for a couple of minutes? You know, what, what does that really mean and what does that look like for us as Christ followers? Yeah, it's a, it's my attempt to put into a question uh, issues of, of bad theology and bad bioethic conclusions about how we live out our faith today as Christians. Um, it is true that whenever innocent people are being targeted to death there's sort of a built-in bias to find reasons not to look mm -hmm. not to know not to learn too much it's a self-protection mechanism okay and this has been true throughout history which is why uh the book of proverbs tells us that when you are confronted with the reality of innocent people being slaughtered uh it says in proverb don't you know if you say behold we did not know these things doesn't god perceive the heart in other words god knows that we're being self-deceptive to be self-protective hmm. now people who are in leadership in the church and who are theologically trained they come up with sophisticated ways of not having to pay attention uh, theological ways. And, and in my world, I, as an evangelical minister of the gospel, the sophisticated argument that tends to justify ignoring abortion goes like this. It says, the eternal soul is more important than the temporal life of a human being. And that is true. That is, we can affirm that. But from that foundation, they take a couple of bad turns. And they say, because eternal life is more important than a temporal life, our entire focus should be on the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a way of dismissing all demands on our time and energy on the well-being of the weak, particularly in this case of the unborn child and so that's how it's set up and my question is a way to show them that this is bad thinking you don't have to choose between these two it's a 
it's a false choice. So my argument goes like this. Number one, there we can make a distinction between the supremacy of the gospel of Jesus and the importance of uh, protecting the innocent. But they are inseparable in the same way that loving God is distinct from loving our neighbor. But if you try to separate those two, you've got a mess on your hands. Right. Okay. And that's the point. And in the, in the Bible, there's a parable about the last judgment. And it says, you know, welcome into the kingdom of God. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me, and so on and so forth. And the point is not that these works of mercy uh, earned us a position in heaven, but they were the evidence that we love God and trusted in God. So that when they said, well, when did we do all these things? He said, well, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Again, the connection between loving God and loving neighbor. So that's one of my first arguments, that these two things are distinct, but they're inseparable. And when pastors and leaders try to say, oh, my concern is for the gospel, they're, they're saying something that is twisted and badly formulated. Not only that, it doesn't work, okay? Right. Because when you ignore the slaughter of the innocent, you undermine your moral authority to even proclaim the good news to the guilty. And here's an example. Last year, I was in Prague in the Czech Republic. There are very few Christians in the Czech Republic, as in most of Europe today, Germany and elsewhere. It's truly a post-Christian world there. And the reason largely is because of the trauma of World War and the slaughter of the innocents, the church by and large did nothing to suffer with those people, to stand in their defense, even at the risk of their own lives. And therefore, Christianity has lost all credibility in the modern age. And the opposite is also true. If you look at who was one of the greatest evangelists of the last 50 years, besides Billy Graham, you would think of Corey Ten Boom. And Corey Ten Boom spent the last 20, 30 years of her life being a worldwide evangelist because she risked her life and her father lost his life and his sister lost her life rescuing an innocent mother and her baby during the war. And so that gave her the moral credibility to speak to these greater issues of the soul and the redemption that is in Jesus. So. It's bad theology. It doesn't work. It misses the idea that abortion is always a crisis of faith as well. This is my third argument. Um, women and couples turn to abortion as salvation. Mm. That's what it is. Right. Uh, John Piper says that abortion is a substitute for prayer. Mm. <laughs> and he gets that idea from the book of James, where it says, uh, you want something, but you don't have it, so you kill. You don't have it because you don't ask God, James chapter four. And in my whole experience working with women and couples in pregnancy crisis, the most shocking discovery is that in trying to help save these babies, uh, I began very quickly to see that every abortion pregnancy crisis was a crisis of faith 
I can't have my baby because I don't know how to feed my baby. I don't, I'm not married. All of these crises are, I don't know how to, how I will provide. Well, that's a biblical question. That's a spiritual question. So I would tell people, you know how I feed my babies? They'd say, how? I say, well, I pray. Give me today my daily bread. And I begin to help expand their vision that there's life beyond the crisis of pregnancy, that there are solutions that they can't see, that they have the faith to see them. And that's pretty much how you do crisis intervention right. is that you help people see that there's an alternative that's not outside of their reach if they have faith to believe it. And then, of course, the other reality is that men and women who have suffered the trauma of abortion have nowhere to go with that grief and their guilt to get rid of it other than through the gospel. So right, the gospel right. isn't something that we do instead of pro-life work. Pro-life work is what we do as an entry point for even larger issues of the well-being of people's eternal life. Let me tell you a story that illustrates all, how this all came together for me. I was in China. I've been to China 29 times in the last nine years. China has more people converted to Christ in the last generation than any other place in the world. But they also had the lost more babies than any other place in the world. Hmm. They have a one-child policy, recently now adjusted to two, but forced abortion mass gender side the killing of the baby girls if you can only have one child you need to have a boy so they kill all the baby girls talking to some of the key leaders in china they said to me we believe that god has brought a revival in china so that the church could grow and that we could complete the great commission and bring the gospel back to jerusalem and 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 be missionaries. So I said, that's a wonderful vision. But while you have that vision, you've neglected the innocent in your midst, the children. And in fact, you have, you have conformed to, the, to this unjust law that forces you to kill your babies. And I said, the two are connected. So my daughter was a missionary in China for eight years, but she was my second child. If I had lived in China, we would have aborted her and she would not have been sent. And one of the key leaders in China fell to his knees and started to weep because he realized we aborted the very generation of people that we would send into the world. Okay. By disconnecting these things, you set yourself up for all kinds of horrible, bad subsequent choices. So my point is, Satan sees that they're connected. He wants to stop the Chinese church from growing. The best way to do that is to kill all the babies. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't care what their ultimate future is. The more people he can kill, the more he can delay the progress of the gospel. And, um, wow. and we need to wise up and see that, that being pro-life is connected to being pro-Christ and just stop trying to separate the two so that we can dismiss it. And that's so convicting to hear you talk about that because, you know, abortion is, is an awful evil that happens every day. You know, you know, um, statistics show, you know, 40, between 40 to 50 million abortions performed worldwide every year. And I think it's just, 
easier in a sense to just not think about it. Like, oh, it's so horrible to think about. Like you said, it's like almost our natural bias to not think about it. You know, so John, with that stat, okay, 40 to 50 million abortions performed worldwide yearly. Um, how How can Christians, how can Christ followers choose to see abortion for what it is not not run from that fact and as you put it in your in your book feel the loss of unknown innocence you know what do we what do we do in response to that as we choose to think about it to not ignore it think about it hear it and see it for what it is feel actually feel the loss for ourselves and then respond as a result yeah well my first response is that the numbers don't help us really in any way to feel the loss in other words if there were 10 million abortions in the world um, and then there were 20 million, we wouldn't have twice the feeling. Right. Because numbers don't in any way translate to our emotions. In fact, there's no way for us to process these kind of large numbers. We just Mm -hmm. kind of numb ourselves out. So whether there's 45 million abortions a year whether there's only 20 million, it's somewhat irrelevant to our ability to emotionally connect with the injustice of it, okay? Um, so I can just tell you the way that, that I have connected with this issue. I was just a Baptist minister doing my thing in Boston, shepherding a small church in the inner city and uh, completely tuned out on the issue of pro-life. And my sensitivity was awakened by several things. Number one, when God says to love your neighbor as yourself, he's really asking you to, to exercise moral imagination. In other words, the only way that I can care about what's happening to you, Lauren, is to imagine what I would think and feel if I was in your difficult situation. So if I see that you are hungry, it's the capacity for moral imagination that allows me to say, if I was hungry, I would want some help. Okay. And then to do for you what I would want someone to do for me. This is the, the power of the golden rule. Do for others what you'd have them do. But it's based on having moral imagination. With the unborn, what makes us so difficult is we can't see them. They don't have names. Even with other horrible injustices of mass killing, there are usually pictures. There's a rope hanging from a tree. There are these graphic images that allow us to process them. Lynching brings out an emotionally negative response today because everybody has seen the pictures okay it doesn't it isn't because the numbers of lynchings it's the one picture of a man hanging from a tree that gets to us the same way with uh the slaughter of the jews one picture of these campgrounds and piles of shoes or bodies stacked up it's the pictures and the Bible says, have nothing to do with deeds of darkness, but expose them. So the way we connect with this evil and to feel the evil, I think primarily comes down to exposing yourself to the emotional pain of the truth of what abortion is. 
seeing the picture, seeing the video mm -hmm. is something that is medicinal, even though it's really horrible medicine to take. So my awakening really began when I was asked to take a look at what abortion is. And once you see it, there's just something that rises up in most people of goodwill that says, that's wrong. Right. And I need to do something to stop it. The second thing that helped me with my moral imagination to connect and to feel with the loss, I can tell you very plainly, it was the stories from my church. It was the men and women in my church that came forward with tears of lamentation and told me why they had their abortions and how many and what their circumstances were. And when you start to feel the their stories and how they felt trapped and had no place to go and didn't know what to do. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. They felt pressured from a boyfriend. You know, all of these situations, you just begin immediately to connect with these people and say, I wish I had been there. Mm -hmm. Or what can we do today to reach the next woman or the next couple and spring that trap for her so that she has a real choice between life and death? and has the ability to choose life rather than to simply resort to abortion. So those are the two things in my life. And I think for most people, it's, it's seeing the truth of abortion and not hiding yourself from it and listening to the stories of men and women grieving their, their, their abortions. Yeah. And I, I really felt that when you said that, because, you know, numbers, you know, maybe that, that means something to people who are, you know, more numerically minded. But then for a person like me, when I watched the movie Unplanned, you know, I knew what abortion was, but then to see a film like that, in which I know we didn't even see the worst of it, you know, really gripped me. It's like, I knew that was happening, but I visually had never seen that or, or experienced that. And it moved me in a way that nothing else ever had. And so to, like you said, f to yeah. feel the weight of what abortion is and to not choose to look the other way really does something as far as I think in the heart of a Christian saying, this is evil and this is wrong. And I need to feel the weight of that, um, man. And that's, and I think that's something that we as Christians have to choose to do. You know, it's easy to avoid it. It's easy to just know what abortion is, but let that be that. But then to say, like you said, we need to see it for what it is and feel the weight of that. Um, really thankful for that perspective. You, yeah. And if you, if you haven't seen what abortion does to a baby at this point, after 45 years of legal abortion, approximately, it's because you've chosen not to that's find right. out. That's mm right. -hmm. That's the point. Is another. That's the. That's where the built-in bias comes in of not wanting to know because to know is to feel some moral responsibility to act. So that's always been true, and it will continue to be true, which is why I always challenge people and I offer people in our training around the world the opportunity to see abortion, even though it's two minutes, that it's, it's painful to watch, but it's important for people to, to grieve it and to see it as the slaughter of the innocence that it is. So John, what do you, like just following up on that, what do you recommend then? You know, let's say there's somebody listening, like maybe they haven't in 40 years, you know, um, like taking the choice to say, I wanna, I wanna know and I wanna know what's happening. Like, how do they find out, you know what I mean? Like how do they how do they see it for what well, it is? Just say you can just go to the internet and type in you know what is abortion, and 
you'll have the video, you'll have the pictures. It's not, it's all out there. Right. Um, and in my book, uh, um, Pregnancy Crisis Intervention, I've included quite a few stories because stories allow us to see how we could counsel people. But a lot of the stories that I've gotten from men and women about their abortion has come from both my own personal experience in my church and also the website uh, or the little book called Changed by Michaeline uh, Friedenberg. And she has a website called Abortion Changes You. And there's a section there on stories. And I just, I just have found that just reading true stories illustrates biblical truth of grief and, and remorse and guilt and all these other things that we start to see that abortion not only kills the baby, but it kills motherhood, it kills fatherhood, and it just has these concentric circles of death that just keep emanating out from it. And it's the stories that reveal that in a very powerful way. Hmm. And again, not political. We're not talking about are you for it or are you against it, are right. you for this law or that law. Just forget all, get into the grassroots of your neighborhood and listen to what's going on at that level. Right. And John, um, where can our where can our listeners find more content from you? Um, buy your books, see what there is out there. Where, where how can they get in touch with you and your resources? Yeah, our website uh, is called is passionlife.org, uh, O-R-G, um, and it's basically designed to help people follow what we're doing in places like Vietnam and Cuba and the world that we talk about on our website, but it is a place where people can track how we're trying to advance the, the pro-life movement here in the States and convert it into a global missions movement and go to the neediest places where abortion, infanticide, and gender side, the killing of the baby girls, is most concentrated. So that's our mission. Go to the mission field that is created by, by the child killing. And um, so they can find out more about us there. And then all my books you can find there, but uh, you can go to Christian Book or Amazon, type in my name, and they all pop up. Okay, and yeah. And um, I just want to recommend one book called Stand for Life. I know that we've been talking about the last few weeks on the podcast, um, ways that we as Christ followers can be educated, can build our defense for our pro-life argument. Um, And so John Enzor writes a book with Scott Klusendorf called Stand for Life. We're actually going to have Scott Klusendorf on our podcast um, in a couple weeks here. And so um, it's actually a student's guide for making the case for saving lives. But I found it very helpful just in our defense of being pro-life. And so... Highly recommend that book. As John said, there's there's other books um, on his on their website that he has written um, that we would recommend as well. Um, so definitely encourage anyone listening to check those things out. And John, thank you so much for being with us today. Your wisdom has really been helpful. Well, it's uh, my joy to be with you. Thank you, John. John Enzor, he is the president of Passion Life. We appreciate his heart and uh, for sharing uh, with us today. Thank you so much. That is John Enzor. We are very thankful to have him on with us today, and we're thankful for you for taking time to listen to The Scoop on Life. Um, you can hear us on the Apple Podcast app and on Spotify. Just search for The Scoop on Life. Subscribe uh, to the podcast, and we're also on YouTube. 
So just search for The Scoop on Life on YouTube as well. And those are the ways you can listen to The Scoop on Life podcast. We are also on social media. So give us a like on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us there. Keep up with all the latest news from The Scoop on Life. So you can check us out there on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us here on The Scoop on Life. We'll see you next week.